What's up, what's up, what's up, guys? It's your brother from another mother, Coach Cam is one. Okay, imagine one day waking up in the morning and you found out that you have to fight for your life, surviving a health condition. Before we begin, regardless where you are, please support our mission untuk membantu dan mengurangkan satu peratus obesity di Malaysia by liking and following our channel. Dan jangan lupa share dengan kawan-kawan, you all. Welcome to our ninth episode of Camizone Podcast Channel di channel kami saya berkongsi tentang fakta sains kesihatan dan pada masa sama saya invite credible and experienced and also successful individual in their respective field. Sempena Breast Cancer Awareness Month, a special guest of mine will share her journey with us today. Sugil, welcome. Hello. Welcome to our podcast channel. Yes. Um, before kita bercerita regarding about how you and I meet, Can you share a bit your journey in your industry and your life experience? Hi guys, my name is uh, Sukundakor Sedu. I'm a general practitioner. Um, I uh, I have my own clinic. I have two clinics. At the moment, um, uh, I had it all in my life. I had the most supporting parents, I had loving siblings, and with their partners, I had a beautiful an adorable nephew and niece. I found the love of my life, which was late, but I found him. Never too late to love. Yes, correct. <laughs> and I had, um, I have beautiful friends who cares for me. I have fantastic patients who really respect me and come to see me for any of their illness. Um, but life had, I'm, I'm also a fitness person. I used to run, I used to hike almost every weekend. Um, I eat healthy. Um, I practice what I preach since I'm a doctor. Whatever I inform my patients, I do that by myself. Also, but um, life had life is unpredictable, and the universe had something different for me. Mm. I'm also a cancer thriver. I don't call myself a cancer survivor. Okay. I call myself a thriver because I'm still thriving. Yeah, and I'm fighting for my life, and I'm living the best and the blessed life I have. Since I was diagnosed, um, yeah. So, can can you share a bit? Okay, can you share a bit? Like people, there will be people out there. Kata like, uh, maybe she says she eat healthy, but actually she eats a lot of junk food. Can you just share, like, you know, during your high school and your uni life, and going into your adult life, your lifestyle? Okay, when I was in uh, uni, yes, we do eat junk food. Okay, because I studied in India, so. Um, we, you know, that at that time as a university student, you don't, we never get good food that how your parents cook for you and everything. I used to mm. buy from out or sometimes you just cook something simple, simple Maggie Mee, right, you know. Right. But um, as the days grow by, when I became a doctor, I started eating more healthy, you know. We have more vegetables, more fruits in my diet. I have nuts and then um, I don't eat much meat. So yeah, can we consider? Can I consider you as a vegan or pescatarian? No, I I do eat meat, but only on occasions. Okay. You know, like um, weekends. Yeah. yeah, but most of the time, I've been very healthy. I've been eating really healthy food. Okay. You know, I don't eat. I I don't like junk food. I've not touched Coca Cola or McDonald's mm. or KFC for fifteen years. Okay. okay, so. So basically, during your uni life. Uni life, yes, you know okay. that was McDonald's and all. But once I became a doctor, no pizza, no no KFC, no McDonald's, okay. Coca Cola. I've stopped for more than 15 years. I 
yeah, I, I do take care of my lifestyle. I run almost every weekend. I go for marathons, not half marathons, but mm-hmm. 15 kilometers, 10 kilometers. Mm-hmm. I go hiking. Right. Okay, I do go to the gym. Yeah, this was during the last 10 years I've been doing that. Okay, so after yeah. graduated in India, again? Yeah, I graduated I'm in India. Yeah, and came back. Came back here, worked as a doctor in my hometown, Sungaptani. Then uh, Kedah, okay. yeah, Kedah, Kedah. Oh, somewhere. I'm from Kedah, yeah. And then uh, 2010, I came to KL, mm. where um, I opened my own clinic with a few partners of ours, and now I have three clinics actually. Yeah, yeah, yes. I had two earlier, but after I was diagnosed, um, I decided to open another one. Yeah. So can you can you share? Can you connect the dot? Like, okay, Kim. From Singapore Botani, came down to KL, operate the business, the clinic, and how did you find out one day? Okay, um, it everything was going on well. As I said, I had it all. You know, I thought I planned my life, I planned my holidays. You know, and just one day, I felt a lump on my left <gasps> breast in October 2021. It was during COVID okay. time. Yeah, so I thought I I wasn't afraid of it. Because I just did my mammogram one year ago and I just did my blood test. Everything was normal. So I went to Beacon anyway to go and see my breast surgeon just to ask his opinion. And he so said, no, it can't be anything because we just did one year ago mammogram. He did an ultrasound. He said, let's do another mammogram. I'm like, okay. So we did a mammogram on the same day. As soon as I came up, he said, the lump looks suspicious. We need a biopsy. Biopsy was done the same day. Within four days... I went back to his um, clinic and he told me that it is malignant and we will need to remove the lump. I agreed, uh, but still I was positive, hoping that, you know, it might be because breast cancer have many stages. So I was hoping for stage one or stage zero. So because it's very small, um, I did a genetic screening because I'm young. Genetic screening came back normal, did a PET scan. Okay, maybe you can touch on that part, genetic screening part. Uh, um, because my I have no family history of any breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, but since I was young, the doctor decided let's go anyway. Because one of my cousins um, in Australia, she has kidney cancer. Uh, my mom has uh, leukemia. Okay, but it's nothing to do with breast cancer. So he said let's do the genetic screening and see anyway. Okay, and I need to check for BRCA. What is that? Uh, BRCA is a genetic. Uh, mutation of the breast cancer. If I have that, I might uh, need to remove my ovaries. So we did a genetic screening, everything, and the treatment would be different if I had BRCA. So we did a genetic screening and um, went for the surgery. During the surgery was difficult because it was during COVID, peak of COVID. No one was allowed to come. I had to get myself admitted on my own. Uh, post-surgery, Nobody could come that and visit. so challenging. Yeah. So my partner came, allowed only 15 minutes. He was wearing his full um, hazmat suit, mm. not allowed to touch each other. Wow. The nurse was sitting there looking, make sure that we don't touch each other. 15 minutes, he had to leave. I was in the room by myself for three days. Scary. I, it was very, very hard. Um, but then I thought that was the, after three days, I begged the doctor, please send me home. I'll take care of myself. But normal patients, I mean, y'all do not do that. <laughs> so the doctor told me, yes, I can go home and I could clean my wound by myself and everything. So came home, 
um, within a week, went back to his um, to his clinic. He held my hand, looked at me in the face, and uh, it was difficult because I was always on the doctor's seat. I used to do that for my patients where I will hold their hand. I will tell them the diagnosis. I will tell them what's happening. So it was different this time where I am the patient this time. Yeah. So he held my hand and told me that I have um, aggressive cancer, which is triple negative breast cancer. Can you use the layman term, the definition of aggressive cancer? Uh, aggressive means um, the treatment-wise will be um, intensive treatment. And uh, breast cancer is a very wide, okay, we have uh, triple negative breast cancer, we have hormone positive breast cancer, but mine is triple negative because we do not know where the cancer is coming from. There's no genetic mutation, There's not, it's not due to hormones, and the treatment will be a little bit more aggressive. Um, Understood. And also, uh, he asked me whether I want children on that time. At that time, I only thought about my life. Because before starting treatment, if I want children, I have to remove, I have to freeze my eggs. Okay. At that time, I didn't think about it because all I wanted to do is get the monster out from my body. So I didn't want this poison in me. So that's one thing I regretted for not freezing my eggs. But I was very selfish at that time. All I thought was living my life. Because when people hear cancer, it's a death sentence. You know, even though as a doctor, mm. I still felt it was a death sentence to me. Um, yeah, so um, he gave me that and he told me that I will need to start treatment. And I said, how fast can we do it? He said, if we need to freeze your egg, we will take longer time mm. because it, we have to have time before we can freeze the eggs. But I didn't want that. I wanted the time to be as, as I, wanted to, as I wanted to finish my treatment as soon as possible. Right. I wanted this out from my body. So... Then I went to search for an oncologist. I went through two oncologists and I found the right one, Dr. Mastura from SJMC. Mm-hmm. I've always been a very uh, tough and independent person where I didn't want people to feel pity for me and also um, I don't want people to take care of me. So at that time, I shut off. I didn't call any of my friends. I didn't want anyone to know I had cancer. Wow. I was... Somehow embarrassed or scared. Okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't want people to look at me and say, oh my God. Pity her. Pity. I don't, I don't want people to feel pitiful for me. Yeah. And oh my God, she has cancer. Oh my God. You know, I can see from their face. So I shut down. Yeah. Um, when I went to see Dr. Masara, she looked at me. She came out from the room. She called me in. Said, Sukhwin, who did you come with? I said, by myself. I said, doctor, I know what I have. I know what I'm going to go through. Just tell me my plan of treatment. So she held my hand and she told me, Sukhwin, you have cancer. Okay, you cannot go through this alone. You will need a support system. You are a patient now. You're not a doctor anymore. That's when everything sunk in and I knew I needed help. So at that time, I just had to message one of my friends. Next thing I knew, all my friends were calling me and they were actually fighting to take me for my treatment. Wow. I had to make a... Such a great friend. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had really good friends. So I had to make a schedule so that this friend will take me on this day, this friend will take me on this day. Mm. They will take me for my treatment, they come and stay with me, they come and cook for me. I had 
friends were just ready to do anything for me. That's when I knew I was loved. You know, I had so many loving and trustworthy friends, which I tried to shut them up from me. Yeah. Um, and so reason reason behind it is because you do not want to feel pity. Yeah, yeah. Because whenever people say cancer, they always look at oh she's going to die soon. Right. You know. Well, let's do this for her. Let's do that for. Her. I wanted to do everything by myself, but then my parents were very supportive. My siblings, their partners. My nephew called me every single day to tell me how beautiful I am. Amazing. And I'm loved. And he's only he was only eleven at that time. Every single day without fail. I didn't want to talk to them, but then it took me some time to get back because I was also already depressed at that time. Um, there was one question I think wanted to ask me was um, what I knew about before I started my cancer. Right. So I'm I'm so. You know, <laughs> and drawn into <laughs> her doctor's been um, sorry. I forgot to ask the question. <laughs> so one of the questions that I want to ask her is with regards to her health condition. Please share your journey going through it. Yeah. Okay. So and, and the next one will be what is one thing you wish you knew before you started treatment? Yeah. So that one I wish I didn't know more because as a doctor. I already knew what treatment I'm getting. Right. What are the side effects? Mm. What will happen during the treatment? Mm. What will happen after the treatment? And what will happen few years later? Yeah. So I wish I didn't know that. Okay. Sometimes knowing less is better. Okay. So the side effects of chemo was not that was. Oh, it was great. I'm not great. Sorry, it was really really bad. You had your hair loss. You had your mouth ulcers. You had your Body aching. No appetite. No appetite. Okay. Um, I'm going to touch on that a bit, yeah? Yeah. I've never gone through chemo, obviously. Okay. But I met doctor, met her when she recovered. Yeah. After she did her uh, chemo. Yeah. So after her treatment, the first time I met her, she was wearing a bandana, rambut baru tumbuh sedikit, and she looked frail. So initially, I don't know what she went through. Through. I don't know. I was trying to make a lucky guess. Mungkin she anorexic could. Mungkin uh, you know because you did not share anything yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Until one day you open up. Yeah. Then only yeah. I found out. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> okay. Because um, I've shared before in my podcast episode one, my late uncle, he was thirty three years old, passed away due to lung cancer. Mm-hmm. So he's the youngest in my mom's uh, sibling, due to lung cancer. The other siblings still alive that time. Still smoking, it's fine. So, you know, I was like eight years old, nine years old. I seen with my own eye that he was fighting, mm. and he was struggling. I don't understand, yeah. but I do know that everybody was so so sad and you know trasela. So mm. I was confused. Yeah. And one day, a client, you came <laughs> to the studio. I'm like, huh? She's fighting cancer. Like, help of a bezer. Uh, so the 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 picture in my mind now, my late uncle fighting cancer versus you. Mm. Why were baser? So maybe you can touch on that also. Yeah. How can you be? To me, I see it as how can you be positive? Yeah. <laughs> can yeah maybe you can share that part. Yeah. Um. Because for me, like how I said earlier, I thought I was not gonna make it. Okay. But then when I see my parents coming and taking care of me, mm. I felt like. 
this is not their age to take care of me. I'm supposed to be taking care of them. Agree. Yeah. So whenever I went into depression, the first time I had my chemo, all I wanted to do is sleep. I stopped taking calls. I slept from nine to next day. I don't take my shower. I just come out. But then my parents, uh, because I stay on my own, so my parents in Kedah, so they came to take care of me the first time. I told them, I'm fine, you all can go back. But after three days, my brother called them up and said, she's not doing well. She's not picking up calls. And when they call, I'm just crying. So they came back. And when I saw my mom and dad, and I said, no, I, I can't do this. I'm not supposed to be that person. I don't want them to be sad for me and taking care of me. So I told myself, I need to be strong. Okay, but... After chemo, that time I was uh, I stopped working because uh, most of the time after chemo you can start after five days or six days of chemo we can start go back to work. Okay. But my oncologist, my breast surgeon, and also my boss, because I'm a doctor, my immune system is very low post chemo, and I am seeing sick people. Mm. So I'm afraid, and that time COVID was just everywhere. So if I get COVID, I can't go through my treatment. Mm. So we decided for me to take leave for six months, which made me more depressed because I had nothing to do. Right. And you cannot go out from the house. I go out, I'm so scared to meet people because I might get COVID. And um, post-surgery, I was also doing physiotherapy because I had my left axillary lymph nodes removed. Mm. So I had no um, no uh, strength on my left arm. So um, I was going through some physiotherapy also. And I, I like to go for walks and everything. So my partner used to take me out. Mm. Uh, we went for a few holidays. Then I used to go out with him for some walks and everything. And he always pushed me to exercise. He said, you used That's to good. exercise before. Why aren't you exercising now? But I was so lazy. I was so tired all the time. So once I completed my chemo, then I told myself I need to start back. And that's when I met Coach Ken. <laughs> <laughs> And um, he he helped me a lot to get back my strength. As he can tell you, when he met me, like how he said, I was frail. I had no energy on my left arm. I couldn't even hold a 5 kg. 5 kg. Right? Yeah. I couldn't put up my arm. Mm. He used to help me to... when I, when I it, Yeah, like, let me describe. <laughs> let me describe for her. Um, how I treat all my clients before we start exercising, I would do an assessment. So the assessment will give me an understanding about my client, where do they stand? So for her, she was struggling to hold 2.5 kilo, not five, 2.5 kilo plate. Now we did try five kilo, but 2.5 was the initial stage. I was like, again? So that's when I start to question, was she anorexic? Was she going through a depressed? I, I, I wasn't sure. Only on our, I can't remember, Third, fourth session, only she mm. shared. But I was like, oh, patut lah, she was so weak. So I did not, I never looked down to my client, towards my client, oh, you're so weak, you need to get stronger. No, the way how I treat my client is, I have to understand my client, what they've gone through. Because I did not understand what she went through. <laughs> Again, when she opened up, it's like, okay, I understand. So all the training, memang progressively, uh, it slowly get uh, difficult, harder and intense and at the end of the day she is able to move was it again 60 kilos yeah yeah thanks to him <laughs> her own hard work lah. again kalau you dengar cerita ni kan macam like initial stage she cannot accept I mean she accept denial denial lah, uh. mm. macam tak boleh terima sangat kan 
then uh, depressed, then from really struggling. At the end of the day, she managed to, Wukan Sejim moved out. She managed to achieve a short-term goal, Lari 10 kilometer. Yeah, I started back running Lari. thanks to him. I got back my strength. And now I'm starting back again. Nice. Yes. Um, so. Amazing lah. Memang that, amazing. That's the, my story. <laughs> okay. Now, my next question. What was your biggest self-discovery or revelation after you were diagnosed? Okay. Um, I was always the person who planned everything. That means I plan for my holidays. I plan what I'm doing this weekend. I plan what I'm wearing tomorrow before <laughs> I'm going to work. You know, some people might think of, you know, what kind of person is this? But that was me. It's common. <laughs> <laughs> I planned everything. But once I was diagnosed, um, I lost hope. I lost faith. I lost my courage. I thought that's it, you know, because I planned everything. It's not happening. And I thought I'd be celebrating my last birthday. I thought I won't be meeting any of my friends anymore. I won't be traveling. Yeah. So now what I do is, I don't plan anymore. I live the day as it comes, you know. I call up my friends. I tell people I love you, you know, because you never know what's going to happen the next day. Right. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. I think this is, um, this word you're saying now is very impactful to very independent women. Those yang memang dah plan for their life for the next 10 years. Correct. <laughs> and I do know, okay, ni bukan yang sakit lah. I do know they plan, organize their life, their lifestyle, their business career. Out of nowhere, they boss. So for them, that is like a very big impact. Yeah? Correct. Because initially, they, they planned that. So I admire your courage, your you. strength. I don't know how you feel going through it because I tak pernah rasa. But again, I admire lang and, and that's one of the reason why um, you sharing your experience and journey with the viewers uh, give a very big impact to them. Okay, now my last question. What advice would you give on how to best support a loved one going through breast cancer? Just being there with them and saying, I love you, I'm here for you, it's more than enough. You don't need to go and do anything else. You know, like for me, I always thought I could do it by myself. But then I realized the support system that you need, your friends, the people surrounding you, your, your family, your loved ones, that's all you need. Like just be there. Sometimes just let them cry. You know, don't go like, oh my God, you shouldn't cry. Be strong. Don't tell them to be strong. Yeah. We are being as strong as we want. Hearing another person saying, be strong. Mm -hmm. No, eat this, eat that. We know what we are doing. You know, just say, I love you and I'm here for you. I will support you all the way. Don't try to be a little bit more like saying, no, don't eat sugar. Don't right, eat, right. yeah. And oh, it's just hair. Uh. Okay. You can say it's just hair, but. For me, or maybe most of the women, our hair is our crown. So for us to lose hair and say, oh, it's just hair, it will grow back again. As sometimes, for you, it might not be hurtful, but we are hurting because we have no hair. Right. We have no eyebrows, we have no eyelashes. We look like aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I look like an alien. So, <laughs> it's um, just be careful from the words that you say. They say, oh, it's, oh, it's just breast cancer, stage two. 
Or do you know about stage two? But if yeah. you haven't gone through it, that's why even for me, I've seen my late uncle gone through it. Even I don't understand. Uh, one of my mission is untuk membantu rakyat Malaysia dari segi obesity is because I've seen it in front of my eye. You know, dari benda kecil sampai besar. And there are people out there that need help, but they don't know how. So I could only either help them in terms of nutrition or give them advice or even berkongsi cerita. At least from all this cerita dari podcast and, you know, uh, video, you all boleh mengambilnya sebagai iktibar. Yeah. You know, mm. if any one of you guys or family member going through it, I'm certain the mild depression too akan... It will come. It will happen. It will happen. You cannot say no. It's not going to happen. How strong you are, Correct. you can say whatever you want. But selagi belum kena, you takkan tahu. Okay. You can. Okay. Yeah. I want to touch on that a bit before we end. Eh? How do you like? I know you mentioned just our family members, but how do you go through it? That depression state that I don't want to see people. I switch on my phone. I cried. Like how? Oh my god! It was really bad. But I, frankly speaking, I do not know how I came out of it. Okay, prayers, I prayed. And um, I think most of the time it's my mom and my dad. You know, it's because of them that I came out. Well, what did they do? Is it they I, came to your house? No, I just, I could see my mom and dad's eyes when they see me. Especially my mom, when she sees me, you can see the sadness in her face, you know. So that's the only thing that made me a little bit more stronger and told myself I cannot do this to them. Because you do not want them to be sad or? I didn't want them to look at me that I, I look sad, that I am not fit to take care of my own self. Yes. So I think it's because of them that brought me out and I wanted to live my life, I want to be alive. You know, because as and Dr. Mastura, Dr. Dave said, you need to love your life. Mm. You know, don't, if you give up hope, the cancer will be happy. Right. You know, and that's when your immune system drops. You yeah. don't eat, you don't want to go out. Things start changing. It's not the cancer, your whole body starts changing. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, there's this research stated that um, the immune system will drop when a person is very sad. sad and one of the way how to make people fall ill is to make them feel depressed. Correct. And kepada mereka yang tengah berdengar dan juga menonton, deep, my view, I'm not a psychiatrist or therapist, but my view, uh, depression is an escape to me. It's real. It's very real. Mm-hmm. I've gone through it during breakups, the room, you know. Some part of our life, kita pernah lalui depression, breakup ke, crisis yeah. ke, kan? Mm. But it's not a reason for us to give up or lose hope. Correct. That's why I nak dengar from her, like how she fight through it. And based on her cerita, it was her parents. She doesn't want, I cannot say disappoint them. Yeah. You, you, Maybe disappoint, I didn't want them, to, I didn't, want to be disappointed in their daughter you know they had so much of hope for me mm. you know I'm a doctor mm. you know I, I take care of myself I have a roof on my um, head mm. and then seeing them like my whole life just jatuh you know crumbled I had no more future right so I didn't want them to see me that way so I then for them to go back all the way to Kedah and yeah. come back again 
at this age and take care of their young daughter. So I I couldn't take it. But it took me some time because the first um, the first four weeks was really bad. Okay. Uh, when I went for the second chemo, um, the nurses told me, "Doctor, please, you need to cut your hair. You need to shape your hair because my hair I falling. was falling a lot. I I did cut it short, but then it started falling. But I threw away all my um, all my hairbrush and everything. I will never wash my hair because if I wash my hair, I can see all the hair dropping. Mm. And I thought I'll be the lucky one that yeah. my hair would not drop mm. by doing all this. Mm. But when I went there, the, uh, the nurses told me, because as soon as I came out from chemo, they could see all my hair was all over the bed. So the nurses said, "Doctor, you need to cut your hair. You need to shave it off." So once when I shaved off my hair, I got depressed again because I couldn't look at myself. And um, so it was, I think after two, the third month, then only I started loving myself. Because of your parents. Because of the parents also. And also um, I told myself, you know, I need to love myself to carry on my life. And my partner was there every day. My nephew, my niece, my brother and sister were calling all the time. So, yeah. Okay, I want to... Share apa yang saya faham kat sini ya. Regarding about this part. Okay. Cancer part kita faham lah kan. Mm. Okay. Uh, that's not my forte. Doktor <laughs> kat luar sana yang akan share. Apa yang boleh faham kat sini. Um, keep yourself in a very positive and loving environment. Environment mm. When you're going through this phase. Regardless lah. Mm. Uh, the depression daripada apa. Mm. But you have to keep yourself close in this kind of environment. Don't be alone. By yeah. yourself, yeah. Or if, even though you rasa, mm. okay, because uh, doctor went through a phase whereby everything she did by herself. So for sure, she thinks that I can do this do by myself. Yeah, I'm if well independent. I'm strong enough. Can we are lying lah, percaya? Independent woman. <laughs> yeah, even kita dari benda kecil dilahirkan pun mak kita kena susukan kita kan. So we just have to accept that there are people out there that love us, especially our parents. Uh, keep ourselves close to this. Uh, Your family. Family and mm. loving environment. environment. Yeah. So harap mereka kat luar sana yang boleh difasa depresi, yang mm. sedih, uh, mengambil cerita ni sebagai itipa juga. And again, thank you, doctor, for your time. Thank you for sharing with all our viewers. Thank you. Hopefully, in future, uh, we're gonna see you again. Yeah. Uh, maybe training, or you can share other of your okay. life experience juga macam berlari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to come, I started running back, and I got so, my strength back. Then. Yeah, thank Keep you. Uh-huh. All right, take care. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Everybody, take care. Peace uh-huh. out. Bye.